to the Broadway Bulletin from Stage Whisper. We have a fantastic show in store for you, full of great news and insights from around the theater world, so why don't we dive right into it? This week on Broadway, we wished happy trails to a couple of shows. Starting on July 30th, we congratulated the closing of two shows, New York, New York, and Grey House, two fantastic shows that we had the pleasure of seeing. Very sad to see New York, New York go. It was a beautiful show, wonderful music, and that closing was very sudden, which was very upsetting, but I'm so glad that we had the chance to see it. And then, of course, Grey House was a brilliant thriller, and I can't wait to read the script to relive it. I enjoyed it. I got a good spook out of it. We will be saying goodbye to Parade on August 6th. So that would be... I'm so bummed about the Red Hills of Georgia going away. That's such a good show. Definitely. But it it made quite the impact while it was here, so... Truly, truly. Another great show directed by the amazing director, Michael Michael Arden. Arden. I can't wait to see what show he leaves his mark on next. Once on this island, now parade. What's going to be next, you know? This day in Broadway history, Avenue Q opened at the Golden Theater in 2003. You know, that was my first ever Broadway show. Oh, memories. (laughs) In theater community news, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival kicks off this Friday and runs August 4th through the 28th all around the city of Edinburgh. Visit edfringe.com for tickets and more information. We have had several shows that will be appearing at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. We might even have a few more pop on, but it's a great festival. Hopefully we'll be there next year. You can also follow friend of the show, Justin Clark, and his show, Theater Thoughts Podcast, as they cover the Edinburgh Fringe Festival live out there. So make sure to check it out. This is fantastic. An agreement has been reached between IATSE Local 798 and the Broadway League Disney Theatricals just one week after a deal was met between the producers and the IATSE pink workers? Pink contract workers. Pink contract workers. So this is a huge deal. Two strikes averted, two weeks apart. We're getting the details about both, but it looks like a lot of great progress is being made for a lot of workers. There's still a lot of work to be done. I know you are a local 798 worker and you're getting the details about the contract, but of course I'm not gonna prod you to give us all the nitty gritty details, but needless to say, I think you can correct us if I'm wrong, but progress is being made. Correct, well, um, the important thing to remember about labor laws, because of course, labor unions are ran by labor laws, right? It's important to remember that These contracts represent the minimum, so that basically means the little guys. So the forward momentum in both of these contracts is to help the lowest paid workers rise up, right? And so I think that it's, you know, there's always more room to go because pay inequity is strong across not only just crafts, but different different gender biases and different, just different things like you, you know, on anything, not just within theater. And so, you know, it's important to understand a little bit about what role unions play and what those labor laws represent. And hopefully we're going to be diving into this more extensively in the future, especially on Whisper in the Wings and whatnot. We want to introduce you listeners more to the different skills and facets that happen behind the scenes and really maybe help explain more about what unions do and that and the importance behind them because as we've mentioned as a blanket statement before a lot of people who talk about the high price of tickets on broadway a lot of that is to cover the overhead cost of a show and most of that cost is labor and the reason why labor is so high is of course pay goes up to adjust for cost of living in that but there's, there's more to it than that there's, there's a lot more things that go into it, and there is a reason why unions are good, and we want to continue to support unions. But for the short term right now, there is no strike plan on Broadway. Broadway is open. Things are moving forward at a, an amicable terms. We will still continue to support IATSE and its unions in striving for more equality and equity within its various unions. 
And on that note, we want to also make sure to remind you all that we stand in solidarity with our fellow union members in SAG-AFTRA and the WGA. And it's important to note with everything that's going on with that, that the best thing you can do to help right now, according to those on the picket lines, is donate to the Entertainment Community Fund because those funds go to help people on the picket lines right now. Yeah, it helps them with their, their mortgage or rent or food or whatever they might need. But honestly, beyond the Entertainment Fund, if you see any of these picketers out there, Give them a wave. Give them a cheer. Really bring show them your water. support. Yeah, <laughs> bring them water. Bring them some food. It's great to see some of these A-list celebrities showing up with food and drink and then joining the march because this is something all of us can get behind. We love entertainment, whether it be on screen or on stage, but also these great artists that we love deserve a living wage. That's the important thing. But we're going to go on a rant about this another time. Let's continue on with our theater news. Tony-nominated playwright Jerome Cooper-Smith passed away on July 27th. This was very sad to read. One of the plays he wrote was one of my favorites, The Apple Tree. Mm. So, yeah, it was very sad to hear about this. And also in sad news, we learned today when we're recording, Paul Rubens, best known for his alternative persona, Pee Wee Herman, passed away on July 31st. Very mm. sad to hear that. In other news, Aubrey Plaza set to make her stage debut in Danny and the Deep Blue Sea off-Broadway. Very excited about seeing this. Theater producer and stage whisper PR rep Jay Michaels joins new streaming network Your Entertainment Network. This is a partnership with Paco Global Entertainment, which brings exciting opportunities for the arts industry. Peter Anthony Andrews and Justin Brewer, the CEO and COO of Paco Global Entertainment, entered into partnership with Jay Michaels of Jay Michaels Global Communications to create a new streaming channel, Your Entertainment Network. And it's like Pluto TV, YouTube, and Tubi. It will be a free platform and app that will be accessible on all smart TVs and mobile devices. That's so exciting. Yeah, Jay is just taking things to the next level. And we are so appreciative of all the many shows and artists that Jay continues to put forward towards us. And we're excited to see this next endeavor that he's going to conquer. Right, definitely. If there's one thing I can say about Jay is that they are an outgoing community builder. Yeah, there's nothing that he sees as impossible. And that's what I love about him. He, he just looks at anything and goes, we'll make it happen. So this is exciting to see. On to some show chatter now. Leah Salonga has extended her run in the great show Here Lies Love, which is fantastic to hear. Isabel McCall of The Prom... Uh, is to join the Shucked cast as Maisie. Very sad to see the original Maisie leave, but I'm excited to see Isabel come in. This is fantastic. Sarah Paulson will return to Broadway in November to play Inappropriate, which is playing at the Helen Hayes Theater, part of Second Stage's new season. Danny DeVito and his daughter Lucy will star in Roundabout Theater Company's production of I Need That, starting in October. I'm so excited to see Danny DeVito on stage. Speaking of scene, let's talk about what we saw this week. Now, there's three main shows I want to talk about. I'm going to lightly touch on the big one, which is Back to the Future. We cover the gala opening. And if you want to see about all of that, head to our Instagram. We got videos from our live covering the opening. It was fabulous. The show was incredible. It was a star-studded night featuring people like Steven Spielberg, Christopher Lur- Christopher Lloyd, Michael J. Fox. Fox. I never remember. Thank you. I was like, I never remember her name. But everybody and anybody was out that night. It was great. And then, of course, the party was wonderful. I got to tell you, the entire cast of Back to the Future, no egos. They are just all so lovely and so grounded. They're just wonderful to be around. And we all had such a wonderful time. The party was enchantments under the sea. It It was fabulous. You know... I love me some ham and cheese, and the fact that this entire production is ham and cheese makes me so happy. And I just have to give a shout out to the Ziegfeld Ballroom for one main thing. Oh my God, those cookies. Oh my oh God, my God those, those cookies. cookies. At the, like towards the end of the night when they were wrapping up the food service and that, they were walking around, and I don't 
with these warm chocolate chip cookies. And I know you're probably like, what's the big deal? But listen, when you're a fruit few drinks in, you've been dancing and having a good time, a warm chocolate chip cookie, I gotta tell mm, I gotta tell you. But there were two other shows we saw that did not have chocolate chip cookies. But they were um, still great, don't yes. get me wrong. <laughs> we saw and they were both on Sunday. Correct. We we got to share a two show day. Like this never happens anymore. So we started our day down at the crane, seeing something from abroad in Kimo Sion's production of Hamlet, La Telenovela. And oh my gosh. It was so good. It, this is not overhyped. It is so good. I'm so glad we saw it. Well, and what I appreciate about it is it helps to draw the line of entertainment from when Hamlet was written to what we consume as entertainment today. You know, because I feel like oftentimes it's easy to get caught up in the, oh, it's Shakespeare, it must be performed by serious actors and blah, 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 blah. And I mean, these are brilliantly trained actors, but I just love that. Well, the whole thing's in Spanish, and I am not fluent in Spanish by any means. And so when the show started, I started reading the subtitles, and I found myself within a couple minutes just ignoring them and completely enveloped in the scene and though I didn't exactly know what they were saying I knew what they were saying and they hit all of the like stereotype telenovela moments they even had the commercials and I was living for it and the acting was sublime oh sublime they were just so fantastic so I hear there's future for the show they're gonna let us know what that is so when they announce where and when Make sure you get your tickets to see this. You will not be disappointed. It's such a fantastic show. And you don't have to be a fan of Shakespeare or a fan of telenovelas to have a good time. Absolutely. It's just it's just a great show. And then building on that, speaking of great shows, then we went uptown to Broadway. And, and specifically the Broadway theater. And we are still debating about this. I say it's an experience. You say it's a show. That's fine, because they're both fantastic, but I've never seen a theater like this, and it's still like, it was a mind twist, because I was like, are we in the Broadway theater? Is this the Broadway theater? It doesn't look like the Broadway And you're looking up at the giant chandelier, and you're like, but it doesn't look like the Broadway theater. And we were both like, I can't remember what the orchestra of the Broadway theater looked like, though. It, they transformed it the into entire, this disco club. And the it entire was, inside space is just completely transformed. It takes you into a modern discotheque nightclub nightclub and it's just and it's important to note that the entire theater is the stage so if you do have tickets up in the mezzanine you are still a part of the stage you don't have to be on the floor to be on the stage that was what was impressive when the dj was like everyone's gonna be a part of this i was like okay yeah well us in the poor seats are just gonna get to observe no we everybody was a part of it it was incredible and the lights, the projections, the singing. I mean, everyone was an incredible singer in this show. I can't wait till we do our full episode on this show because there are so many beautiful human moments. There's so many that things. Finale. Well, and there's so many things that the design team and the creative team did to work in tandem to not only create an experience, but to create a story and an experience yeah. that adds to the larger human experience. It's very rare that I find a show that not only like portrays the human experience, but also creates a human experience within that. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. So what I found great was I didn't know this history of Amelda Marcos or Marcos in general, you know, or the Philippines in general, to be honest. And so I learned a lot. And I was like, I feel a little ashamed that I don't know this history. Because it's such a profound historical time. An historical event. The, the most pe- this huge peaceful protest that ended a dictatorship. Like, yeah. it's profound. And yet I didn't know about it. And I consider myself a learned person. And I was like, I'm, I am ashamed. I should know this. I should start looking more into this outside of my walls, outside of my own country's walls and know about this. But what I loved is you open your program and it lays out the timeline of Emil Marcos, And that's literally, and it literally the story follows that. So we already know where the story's going, how it's going to end and all of that. They hit all those marks. And yet I found myself 
entranced in it being like, well, what comes next? Well, what comes next? You know? And both of us before the show were like, this kind of reminds us of like a Southeast Asian Avita. Yeah. But so much better. It was so cool. It was a, it was a great time. It is, I will say it is very non-traditional theater. So if you are looking for that traditional night out of the theater, you know, something like a something like it hot or a Kimberly Akimba, this is not the show for you. I did see a few people get up and leave, and I would say they're much older. And I think this was like, oh yeah, this is not the show for you. Very loud disco and 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 house music kind of thing, you know, and the way that everything is moving around. And yeah, this is not your typical show. And that's one of the things that I loved about it. The just imagining what you can do, what's well, possible. What I love is it's taken Broadway theater or traditional theater and spun it around. It's still there, but it's it's spread out and it's new. Yeah, it's taking immersive theater to another level on Broadway, which is exciting. So I like it. I love the audience that we saw. The diversity in not only race, but also gender and Ages. age. Age it, was the big thing for me. I was like, yes. Well, look and at there this was young just people who, there were people who were from all different like backgrounds. Normally, there's a certain thing you expect of theater goers, right? You usually, usually there's someone who sees a lot of theater and or is more of a naturally empathetic person, but... I saw people who were just your run-of-the-mill, like, tourist who doesn't necessarily go, I'm going to go to a Broadway show. You also had, like, ravers and... You had every fat background of person coming. Every. You had just people looking for a club scene. You had people looking for the story of uh, Imelda Marcos. You had theater goers. You had... Not theater goers. Yeah, just everyone and anyone was there and we were all mixing together and it made the experience that much more rich. So I truly loved and valued that, that experience. Oh, and the other thing I just want to say is the opening announcement, the way the DJ explained it about, you know, here's how it's going to work. And they did a test run about how to move the audience on the dance floor where they had those people with like the airplane guiding things. Mm -hmm. And here's how we move the stage and everything. I, I, I appreciate the way they included that in the beginning. Because, yeah. you know, it wasn't your basic, hi, welcome to the Broadway here. We're going to take this serious. Because when you walk in, they've got the, the dance music already playing. They didn't shut it off and go, all right, serious note, let's do this. No, they included it as part of the show, if you will. But I remember thinking, God, this is going to be really distracting to watch these people down there on the floor put these pink lights up and try to guide the crowd around. No. The stuff that they were doing, the way they were able to move stuff on the dance floor and people was amazing. I mean, and kudos to Alex Timbers and David Byrne for having the vision of that. Because I was like, I, we could to talk, rehearse that and be able to make that happen before you get an audience, amazing. We could talk forever about this, but... This is a bulletin, not a regular episode. <laughs> so with that, I, the only other thing to say is, hey, head over to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. Get yourself a backstage pass or leave a nice little tip in our tip jar. Every dollar you donate helps to put money back into artists here in New York and soon over in the UK. No matter where you are, you can donate. Doesn't matter if you're here in the States, in the UK, in Germany, Japan, Philippines, India, wherever you are, you are you can donate on Patreon or you can donate on Venmo at Stage Whisper Pod. All of your money helps us out and we are in the need for help. We need to continue to hire more staff. We need new equipment. And we are basically a listener-supported podcast. We do not... We're trying our best to avoid having to be ad-supported. We like to keep it ad-free here. We're like a community or a public radio. We'd rather just keep to the theater talk and not have to listen to Casper Mattresses. The best night's sleep... No, we don't no, want to do that. No, that was more yeah. than Casper deserved. <laughs> We want to just keep it between you and us. So if you are in a position, please head to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod or to Venmo at stagewhisperpod. Any amount will help. Thank you to all of our current patrons and producers. We appreciate all that you do to make this happen. And yeah, I think that's that's going to do it here for the bulletin. But don't worry. We've got a great whisper in the wings. And I, and I mean a really great. I 
loved speaking with this guest. Michaela Petrila, who is a producer, host, and actress. She's done a lot of work with 54 Below, a lot of great fundraising and whatnot work, especially for Planned Parenthood. Her upcoming show, 54 Below, sings for Postmodern Jukebox. It's happening on Friday, August 25th. But we're going to hear all about that right now in our Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Welcome back in everyone to another fantastic episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a fabulous guest joining us today. We have the producer, host, and actress Michaela Petrilla joining us, who's here to talk to us, among other things, about her upcoming show, 54 Below Sings for Postmodern Jukebox, which is Friday, August 25th at 9.30 p.m., at 54 Below. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting 54below.org. And this is a great show. We are hoping to be in attendance ourselves, but this isn't the only thing we're going to be talking about today. As we mentioned, we have a slurry of other topics to bring to her attention, but let's go ahead and bring on our guest, Michaela Petrillo. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I am so excited to have you here. This is amazing. You do some incredible work at 54 Below, whether it's producing shows, performing in shows, hosting shows, and you do a lot of good as well with shows that raise money for organizations such as Planned Parenthood. I mean, you're you're checking all the boxes. You've got so many hats on. So I want to just start in the very beginning, which I feel like someone once said is a very good place to start. And I want to know, you know, how did you get here to this place as a producer, host, actress? How, how did you get here? Well, you make me sound so cool. So thank you. <laughs> so I had worked the last, I guess, seven years performing in off-Broadway shows, immersive shows, cabarets, and musical theater. And I had just found that Ooh, cliche right away. Breaking the fourth wall is so much fun. Just in the way in the cabaret setting, you really get to inspire and foster community and really get to know your audience. And I found that that was something I had a really good knack for and really enjoyed doing, just connecting with an audience. I was at Sleep No More for a long time, which is an immersive show with like 400 people a night. So that was just always a thrill and a really unique experience. And I learned a lot about how to kind of curate these unique experiences for a crowd of people, but also have this genuine connection with every single person. So I had that in the pocket. Separately, I had gone to school for both musical theater and marketing. And for the last several years, I've done a lot of marketing work for nonprofit theaters. We were talking earlier, but I just, I feel like not a lot of people learn the business behind theater when you're in schools and everybody does their best, but it's really difficult to find a way to self-advocate, a way to know about producing, performing, how to work with your musicians, your crew, your production. It's something that we often learn from experience rather than from your educational experience or from growing up doing community theater. I feel like, you know, you really have to be in the industry a while to learn how to really work that way with others. So I was like, let me try my hand at marketing. Let me try to put that foot forward for theaters that need it because there's a lot of grants that people aren't getting for theaters. Even now post, I don't want to say post pandemic because we're still in it, but we're post this peak of the pandemic, right? So a lot of folks don't want to go to the theater or make plans weeks in advance. They're still a little bit cautious and so many theaters are suffering. They don't have a budget for marketing or for more business related things or like development. So all this to say, I never focus on one thing for too long. I feel like my hands are always in a couple different pots and I love to perform, but I was like, all right, you know, I have this marketing degree. I learned a lot about business. How do I integrate that into theater and support all of these organizations I really care about? And I saw, wow, this already feels like I'm talking too long, but bear with me. 
<laughs> so over the pandemic, all of our shows got canceled. Sleep No More was canceled. Obviously, it's difficult to bring an immersive show back when COVID is a huge concern. So there was this lull right about the time that Roe v. Wade was getting overturned, right around the time a lot of people's rights were being jeopardized in our country and our world. And you kind of sit with that onslaught of news and you're like, what are you going to do about that? So while I had been focusing on performing, I kind of had this basket full of unused skills that I had used for theaters in the past. I had used for myself in the past. But I was like, I can integrate all of this and start producing shows at music venues that are not doing well right now. So I started at Rockwood Music Hall and I put on my first show, which was called The Violet Hour. And it was just a fun, nostalgic, cheeky, feel-good show that brought community together for the first time in a while. That was April 2022. And I realized that I wasn't bad at it. I was really scared it'd be a dumpster fire and it wasn't. It was really well received and it was nice to connect with an audience again. So we just kept doing it. And the marketing skills came in handy. The working with an immersive audience and cabaret in the past came in handy. And this show got bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually I got an offer to work with 54 Below. And I've been with them since, I want to say, September of last year. That's amazing. Wow. And that brings me to the second point I want to address, which is you've done a lot of work raising money for Planned Parenthood through your shows. How did you put this together? How did you land on this? Tell us more about this, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So 54 Sings for Planned Parenthood. I'm really proud of how this all started. Started, like I said, at Rockwood Music Hall with these variety shows. I did one concert for 50, or not 54, but for Planned Parenthood because, you know, they do so much more than just the uh, hot button issues that people seem to be concerned about with Planned Parenthood. You can get general wellness checkups there. They have funds for reproductive rights, healthcare access, comprehensive sex education, gender affirming care. Like I remember in my early 20s, I couldn't afford insurance and I just needed to go to the doctor. I think I had like bronchitis or something and I could go to Planned Parenthood and be seen and taken care of. And so, you know, especially with COVID, with gender affirming care being challenged, with women's rights being challenged, I'm like, this is a catch all to really support a lot of different groups. So I was like, this is the charity that I really want to focus on. They do so much in so many ways. So I put on this concert. It worked really well, really well received and more people wanted to be involved. So, you know, I made some calls. I sent some emails and some really incredible high caliber human beings all were like, yes, we want to be part of it. And it just got bigger and bigger really quick. So, you know, Jen Tepper at 54 was like, we would love to produce this. Let's come on and do it. We did our first show in November. We had Oh my gosh. In the last year, we've had like Jelani Remy from The Lion King and Back to the Future. We've had T. Oliver Reed, Teal Wick, Sarah Steele, who does TV film as well as Broadway. So many, so many people. I was able to expand it to the drag and burlesque community. So we just had a wonderful drag artist, Ava Lance. She made her singing debut at 54. And we've had talent from, you know, so many Broadway shows like Taylor Iman Jones from Six, Carissa Hoagland from Frozen, Mary-Kate Moore from Into the Woods, Teddy Yadane from Little Shop. I, It's just so many people and they all either reached out to me or I reached out to them and was like, is this something you're interested in? I get it's a hot button issue. So I don't, you know, a lot of people want to say no because they don't want to make waves. But in our community, everybody was like, yes, yes, yes. I want to be part of this. And it just grew to a point where these wonderful Broadway stars, TV film stars were like, we want to make a difference. And this is the place to do it at 54 Below. And it was just honestly an honor just to kind of be that campaigner. You know, like the Myers-Briggs personality test, I I think mine is the campaigner, quote unquote. So like, I just really wanted to bring everybody together. And I'm just surprised how easy it was. I don't really like how it all came together was so quickly, but also so easily because we are all standing behind something that is more important now than it ever has been. And that is like the rights of every single group of human being in this world. And Planned Parenthood covers 
a lot of that. So I'm glad we got to spend the time and raise some money for it. We raised over $3,000 so far. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's kind of like how it started. Literally just me in my apartment with an idea and my emails <laughs> sent a little pitch, you know, and it just grew and grew and grew. That's fantastic. Now I want to bring in your upcoming show, 54 Below Sings for Postmodern Jukebox. What can we expect from this one? Yeah, this one is super fun. So we're going to transport you to 54 Below and we know it used to be Studio 54. So very disco vibes, but we're going to switch it up a bit. So we're going to take you to a 1920s jazz club instead, where Broadway is going to sing jazz swing covers of popular pop rock songs. And this is something that Postmodern Jukebox as a group is uh, very well known for. They actually, that's Scott Bradley's Postmodern Jukebox. It started at Sleep No More, where I worked. So there was this show we used to do at Sleep No More called the McKittrick Follies. And it was the same kind of structure where we would sing these jazz covers of pop rock songs. Like I do like Lady Gaga, like we do like Beyonce, like all of the good stuff, ABBA, Britney Spears. And audiences just eat it up. It's so much fun. And you can pretend like you're in a speakeasy and just have a good like prohibition time. So we're bringing this to 54. It's not, you know, produced by Postmodern Jukebox, the group, but it involves a lot of people that we have worked with PMJ before. So I'm really excited. It's like a Broadway twist on some fun pop rock jazz songs. And I'm thinking it's like one part vintage music and culture and one part kind of like SNL for singers. So we're going to celebrate this music, but I think kind of a spoiler. I haven't said this to anyone yet officially except my team, but we're going to try to take some Broadway songs like of songs performers are doing on Broadway right now and make jazz covers of them and have those singers sing them. So I think that would be a really fun extra bit of spice for the show, but I'm excited. I feel like Gatsby has kind of like infiltrated its way back into the performing scene and I love all things like vintage 1920s so it's just going to be a fun night to like have a little gin gimlet and listen to some you know swing Britney yes who doesn't love any of that I mean I love the 20s up until like 1929 then things got rough you know yeah you know things like I feel like there was like a depression or something yeah it got really sad after that Now, with these great shows that you, you've done in this upcoming show, is there a message or a thought you're hoping the audiences leave from these performances with? Yeah, I mean, if I can leave them with one thing, it's just to empower, uplift, and inspire. I mean, I think the performances that I have seen from our past in these last few shows, like, I, you can't help but laugh with them and cry with them and feel so connected to the storytelling they choose in their songs, like, uh, T saying, make them hear you from Ragtime for our Planned Parenthood show. And, you know, not a dry eye in the house. It was beautiful. So I want people to feel not just glad that they took, I don't want to say a risk anymore, because again, post pandemic, but and my initial thought was you are taking a risk in this economy, in this time where we're not really going out and being social as much as we used to. You're choosing to spend your night with us. I mean, Even the last show we did was the day after the uh, Canadian wildfires in New York. So people are like, oh, my God, we're walking through like all of this smoke to come to the show. So like, yeah, you're taking a risk to spend an evening with us. What do I want you to feel? I want you to feel connected to this group of people that care so much about a cause and care so much about you, the audience. I want you to feel inspired that we can share these feelings as a community and that we all care about the same thing. So you have support in us and we have support in you. And I also just want you to feel good. Like we go to the theater to feel things we can't always feel ourselves. And I'm not trying to like put on an earth shattering performance that's gonna make you question your whole (laughs) way of living. But what I do wanna do is just make you have a smile on your face and leave like you just had a really enjoyable evening and you feel connected and uplifted in your mood and in your spirit because you chose to spend, you know, an hour and change with us. And I think that that has been the case with our audiences. And I just like, I don't know, I get really giggly and happy when I see that people are, feeling positively affected by the work we're doing. It's as simple as a smile. I don't know. I just love making people happy. (laughs) Yes, I love that. And 
there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. The world needs more of that, if you ask me. So. I agree. Finally, for this first part, I want to ask, who do you hope have access to these shows? Oh, my gosh. I So this one is huge. We're based in New York City, right? But I've been recording all of these shows with Shoshana Feinstein, who does Famous in New York. She has this huge YouTube channel and she is able to bring Broadway to, you know, everyone's YouTubes. So what I hope to do is, especially with the Planned Parenthood stuff, but overarchingly, like there are so many marginalized groups in the U.S. There are so many people that can't access healthcare. I hope they can access the internet. But, you know, if I can provide resources and an example that the leaders in our Broadway community are here to support you and love you and sing on your behalf. And you can Google that and find a video of, you know, like Jelani, who is like Simba and the Lion King. Like that's Disney. That's everything. And Jelani is the sweetest, like almost heartwarming guy I've ever met. And you YouTube him and you see that he believes in you because he's singing in this concert to support your rights. Like, I, I think there's so many people, I don't want to say it's like in the Midwest or like middle America, but you know, we, the world is so flat now because of the internet, anyone can see anything. So I hope that this can reach a lot of people who are inspired by Broadway and Disney and storytelling, and they get to see that somebody cares about them and their rights, whether that is women's rights, a teenager that's struggling through puberty, somebody who is struggling with gender affirming care. I feel like this is gearing more towards teens, but it can really be anyone. I know I always looked up to so many people when I was a teenager, and it was really nice to see people like me who just like cared and supported the community around us and like gave me hope that I could do what they do. So, you know, even if there's someone who's not looking to be a performer, just knowing that like, someone you enjoyed in a show is here for you. I hope those people see that show and are affected by it. I mean, I know that's like a large overarching answer, but that's why the internet is so great that, you know, people of all ages and stages can see this and maybe, you know, be inspired to advocate for themselves. now and yeah. listeners get to know you a little bit better and listeners seriously it has been amazing chatting with Michaela before we started and even now I feel like we could just grab a cup of coffee and go on and on and on we'll close the place down well, um, what they don't know is that we have the coffee right now in our hands it yeah. is coffee time coffee time always coffee time <laughs> <laughs> I want to first ask what or who inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows inspire you or are some of your favorites? Ooh, okay. So I I don't live literally by astrology, but it's important to say that I am a Libra, which means I'm extremely indecisive, which means I've got like 20 answers for this. <laughs> So as far as like my life is concerned, I'm really inspired by music of like the 60s and 70s and 80s. So like Stevie Nicks, Joni Mitchell are like everything to me. I'm a huge Fleetwood Mac girl. As far as theater is concerned, I really, I mean, who doesn't? But I love Stephen Sondheim. I feel like that was the first time I like I listened to a Sondheim song and I just cried. Like the musicality and the nuance and the little motifs of how he weaves the music throughout the show and just like evokes such a feeling in you. I endlessly inspired by him. But I also love like Anais Mitchell. I'm a big fan of her. I'm a big fan of Michael R. Jackson, obviously Lynn, obviously Alan Menken. I also love Tim Minchkin. He's like, I, I just messed up his name, Tim Minchin. Obsessed with him. He is such a little cheeky guy. And I love it. Like for other reasons, because I generally do a lot of like comedy and cheeky theater like Tim Minchin is it for those of you that are like scratching your head for a moment he did Matilda and I just I, he's just a hoot I'm obsessed yeah so I I'm inspired by so many people but those are just some uh that I love and also, if you haven't seen Parade, I really I hope that you do, because I saw it at New York City Center 
And I was sobbing from the beginning to the end the entire time. I just like, I don't know. I'm inspired by things that are either very like cheeky and whimsical and fun and give a smile to your face or things that will like utterly make you question your whole life. You yeah. know, the stories yeah. about people that like try so hard to hold it together and then you watch them fall apart and they give that experience to you. Like, oh my God, Parade is such an example of that. And oof, my heart. Well, have you seen any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? You did mention Parade, which is yeah. astounding. 10 out of 10 would recommend as well. But are there any others? I saw Shocked recently, and I had no idea what to think going into it. I tried to Google it. I'm a huge analytical person. So I'm like, what info can I get about this? Like, it's corn but like it's a bank lump with knobs it's got the juice but like how much juice like what are we talking about here and I was laughing my butt off the whole time like and I didn't know that Robert Horn was next to me it was like him and Frankie Grande were in the same row seeing the show and I was like oh my gosh this is so funny like I was laughing long after everybody had stopped laughing and they kept looking at me and I was like oh no like that's because you're literally this show well, at least Robert Horn is. But I had an amazing time. It was so nuanced. It was so well written. The book is incredible. And Alex Newell, of course, like absolutely tore the house up and down, left and right. And in a circle, I was living. But also like the way it was directed, like they really had their thumb on the pulse of comedy. Like there were some jokes that were a sleeper hit where you had to hold an extra second or two for the audience to get it. And then it was laughter for another 45 seconds. And they knew exactly when to hold, when to just keep going to the next bit. Like it was so nuanced in timing that I, I mean, I get it was a really tough Tony season this year, but I really thought they were going to clean up. I haven't seen Kimberly Akimbo. It sounds amazing. So I'm sure that I am you know, like I can't even compare because I haven't seen it. That's next on my list because I'm from Jersey and we need to know. But uh, Shocked was so much fun. That is a great lead in to my next question, which is what is your favorite part about working in the theater? Oh, my goodness. The people, the people, 100 percent. I love working with people. I think I being alone over the pandemic was great in a way that I could self-reflect and kind of like take stock of how I want to be present in this industry and show up to it. But like, what a thrill it was to like, go back and do a show again, to produce and host and get to know audiences and the people I work with. I mean, everybody works so hard in our industry and everyone is so vulnerable and so like, just incredibly present in what they do and so like I am inspired seeing that in others and I like to I don't know I feel like I said it all already but in 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 the way to say that like I love the people and well that's a terrible answer but (laughs) it's just the people it's the people it's the community that's what this is all about and like being able to like feed into a bigger thing that is just like me worried about my auditions or the next show I'm doing like I know you said this podcast is about me, but like, it's not like, that's great and all, but it's not about me. It's about like the work we're doing. So I missed the people so much. And I miss seeing how like inspired we all are as a collective to come together and create. So the people a hundred percent, like, especially people who don't do theater and they just come in like my last 54 below show, I had like a bunch of like elderly women who like I had never met before. They just found it on the website and they were there to support Planned Parenthood. And it was like a pride concert. So they were there to support like the queer community and gender affirming care, you know, all the all the big ticket items. And they were just so sweet. And I've never met them before. And they were like crying because they were just they had such a fun time getting to know so many different people over the course of an hour and I was like where would I have met you otherwise if not here on this night in this space and like it's so cool that we can have this connection now and I don't know I felt that way in sleep no more too like we'd have 400 people a night come in and like I got to just meet people from all parts of the world that I never would have met before and it's all because we care about sharing an experience so I yeah, I don't know. That that like fuels me. That fills my cup. That's what I like. Uh, I love that. And here comes my favorite question to ask. I'm so excited to hear yours. 
What is your favorite theater memory? Oh, shoot. So I didn't even think of this one. I, oh, all right. I've got like an on the nose one, but this is really, this is sweet. So my mom is a single parent and she worked really hard to kind of like help support me with theater, even though, you know, she's working full time, like we're single income family, no child support. So like my mom has struggled to like, you know, really bring me to see theater and come to New York. And so it meant a lot for her to do that in general, I'm sure. And then on top of that, she was taking me to like Broadway shows. And so there was one time, well, there were two times. There was one time my cousin is neighbors with Bernadette Peters. So I don't know how my mom did this, but like we saw a little night music and afterwards my mom was like, she t- like she talked to the stage door guy. She's like, listen, with the Jersey accent. She's like, my kid is here. She's so inspired by theater. Like, can we meet Bernadette Peters? And we did. And it was just such like a touching moment for me. And she did the same thing again when I saw, I think it was either Wicked or Promises, Promises with Kristen Chenoweth. And so like, they like gave me a hug. And my mom was the worst in like the 90s, 2000s. She came with the camcorder. She'd like record things that she shouldn't have. She'd make a whole scrapbook about it after the show. <laughs> like she was one of those parents and I'm obsessed with her. I love her so much. I take pictures of everything because of her. But like those two moments, I was so like overwhelmed in a happy way, like seeing these people on stage doing their thing. And then after the fact, like being able to meet them for a moment at the stage door. But it was like, like they stepped out of the spot where you sign the playbills to like talk to me to the side and give me a hug. And it was all because my mom made like, I don't know what she said, but it was like the best pitch on planet Earth. And she advocated for me to like meet these people that I really loved. And like, it was probably like cumulatively like 45 seconds of my life, but I always had the little albums and my mom would make little like pictures and stuff. And she's like, Hey, like, you know, like you're kind of the underdog here. I'm giving you all I can, but like, these are the two offerings I can give you to inspire you to like, you know, do theater. And I, whenever I was unsure about what I wanted to do with my life, I just remember like how much my mom kind of like fought for me to like have these days together and have these dates in the city and like meet my idols growing up that like I had the wicked CD on my like little walk man and I walked through my apartment complex like singing popular whatever like I listened to this on repeat so having those moments that I know my mom went out of her way to make for me just to kind of give me that fuel to do what I want to do with my life and figure it out like now I mean I'm not Kristen Chenoweth (laughs) at all I'm nowhere close but like just seeing how kind that they were with me in that moment. Now when I do shows and I stage short after or when I produce and I get to meet audience members, like I'm just a huge advocate for like education and outreach and like seeing kids that are maybe inspired to do what we're creating. Obviously way smaller scale than Kristen and Bernadette, but like I would not be there if it weren't for my mom, like making that memory happen for me. And like, the two of them taking an extra moment to like let a little kid know that they're worth it. And that was, I don't know, that was everything. That's really sweet. And now like I'm working in similar circles now. uh, Okay. Maybe cut that out. Cause that sounds like I'm way cooler than I am. I'm kidding. But like, I'm not working in similar circles, but like I'm performing at the same venues that they are, or like I'm going out for shows that they performed in. And it's just like, like a really surreal moment that I found my way here and it's because of this community and this support and you know my mom i love that what an incredible memory wow (laughs) thank you for sharing that that's amazing (laughs) well as we wind this interview down i want to know are there any other projects or productions that you have coming down the pipeline we might be able to plug Ooh, yeah. So, well, I have my 54 Sings Postmodern Jukebox in August, and then I'm just performing in some other shows at the moment. I've taken a a slight pause as, you know, auditions kind of gear up again. But if you want to see me perform and stuff, I do Saturday Night Live from time to time, and I am going to be back in October, hopefully, for their next season, pending writers' strike rights being granted. But yeah, besides that and PMJ 54 Below, I am just kind of cooking, cooking on the next couple of things. Nothing is announced, but as soon as I know, I'll, I'll let you know. 
Yes. And uh, that half-baked works in the way. Yes. And that's a great segue to my final question, which is if our listeners want more information about your performances at 54 Below, including this 54 Below Sings for Postmodern Jukebox, or about you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do so? Oh, I would always like new friends. I love meeting new people. So you can find out everything on the 54 website, which is 54below.org. I have my own website and my own Instagram, which is just my name, Michaela Petrilla. A lot of people can't spell that. I feel like it will be listed like on the podcast episode, how to spell my name though. So I believe in y'all, but please, yeah, contact me, follow me, send me a message. I'm happy to like talk to new people and work on some new projects. Yes. Well, Michaela, this has been beyond a blast. I could keep this going forever and ever and ever, but I think we'll just have to have to have you back. And I'm oh all right with that. Oh, yeah, Rose. I can't wait. <laughs> but thank you so much for stopping by today and sharing all the amazing work you've been doing with Planned Parenthood and 54 Below and sharing this upcoming show that you've got on August 25th and that amazing memory and then some. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I mean, this means the world. Y'all are awesome. Thank you. My guest today has been the producer, host, and actress, Michaela Petrilla, who has produced and hosted many shows at 54 Below, many of which benefit Planned Parenthood. And her upcoming show, 54 Below Sings for Postmodern Jukebox, is Friday, August 25th at 9.30 p.m. at 54 Below. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting 54below.org. And make sure you do head over there and get your tickets. We'll be certainly heading over to do that as well. You'll want to join us for that. You can also get more information or follow Michaela and reach out to her by visiting her website, michaelapetrilla.com or on Instagram at michaelapetrilla. All of this information will be listed in the episode description and on our social media. But do yourself a favor, head on out to 54 Below and support this amazing artist and all the great work that she's been doing and taking a great show. It's a lot of fun down there. August 25th at 9.30 p.m., 54 Below sings for Postmodern Jukebox. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. Two friends from old New York town met in a foreign land. One sang the praises of If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is DJ by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.